guys, Princess here, and welcome to another episode of Bye Pumpkin. Um, I'm here in the shared office that used to be the man cave, and my husband, I hate that name, my husband, Mr. Curtis, is putting up a ceiling fan, and um, he got the fucking ceiling open, the attic open, uh, he's turned the electricity off, I mean, he's actually very good at doing stuff like this. But um, he can't quite figure out what he's wiring wrong. He's been in and out turning on electricity. And so I need to make this shit quick because <laughs> I'm in a war zone. And at any moment now, he might turn the fucking electricity off on me. And then I'll be in this bitch in the dark. Okay? And I'm also recording on my uh, Mac Mini. So if he turns electricity off, this is over with. We're not doing it anymore. So... <laughs> Let's get fucking started. Today's episode is a mother-daughter experiment, colon, celebrity edition, season one, episode three. It's called Grave Regrets. They, uh, we don't have fake therapy shows without fake funerals. They just, it doesn't exist. You guys remember, this isn't a fake therapy show, but remember when Shannon Bedore and David Bedore, <laughs> I recently went back and rewatched those episodes, maybe a year ago, um, went to that marriage retreat and, and... <laughs> This is where the Watch What Crappens guys get, here lies Shannon Bedore. <laughs> That's where they get that from. Because she was to sit there pretend to be dead and he was supposed to pretend, I don't know. This is a very marriage boot camp <laughs> thing to do. <laughs> and so I don't think Shannon and David should trust those marriages. Actually, we know because they, you know, the marriage didn't work out. So, but this is totally normal. <laughs> if you're watching these type of shows. Um... Last week, we were watching the ladies. Uh, Courtney Stodden was being rushed in an ambulance to the hospital. And as we see, she survived. She's back. She seems tired. And she wants to take a shower because she smells like hospital. She seems almost sheepish as she's like, oh, we're back. The next day when I wake up, there's a sign saying, eat your Wheaties because it's going to be a hell of a day in therapy. Doesn't say exactly that, but that's what they meant to write. That's what I would have written if I was the PA that was like, you know what? Eat your Wheaties, bitch. Um, Heidi and Natalie Nunn start drinking immediately. Immediately. That's what they're, they're like, oh, it's going to be a hard day. Where's the liquor? And I mean, I remember when I first watched this, I was so annoyed with Heidi and Natalie. I was like, you guys can't even like do this without drinking. But now watching it, Mm, what is it six years later I'm like actually drink this doesn't matter this is like 10 days <laughs> this doesn't matter just drink it's fine it's boring you, you can't do the stuff you're normally used to doing uh no tv like just just drink go ahead the therapy session is about regret um and what and things that are taken for granted, either the per, either you take for granted or the other person, or the other person takes for granted for you. Um, so we talk about Shar, um, and she says, like, when that you know Brittany was really big to Cassie when all that stuff was happening, and so you know Brittany was coming to town for a concert, and Shar took Cassie, um, even though she didn't want to. And I'll say this, uh, listen, listen, listen. I remember this story. But the timeline's fucked up. Let's start there. Wasn't Char, wasn't Cassie like 10? Didn't she say she was 10 when K-Fed left 
abruptly said he was going to the 7-Eleven to get some more do-rags and didn't come back. Isn't that when, when that happened? Now, Cassie said she was 14 when this, when this fucking concert happened. And that's interesting. It was four years later. Maybe I'm misunderstanding. Maybe he was 10 when he came into their lives and it was 14 in the midst of all the, the, I mean, it was so much fucking coverage about K-Fed and to a lesser extent, Char and how she was bitter and how she was also tied, how she was also the victim, how, and like the kids, the pictures of the kids were on, on the front pages of things. And I remember feeling like very sorry about that. Like nobody's kids should have to be on there. And they're not like, they would get, they, they would obtain pictures from other people. Um, or they do paparazzi pictures. And so they weren't the best pictures of these children to fucking begin with. And then like people, you know, people are gross. I, I'm one of them. Okay. Like I, I don't mind judging a child, but like the glee at which some people do stuff like that. I'm like, what are you getting out of this? And me? I just, you know, I just read vibes, but <laughs> no, still I, even I, uh, a straight up, like a straight up, uh, heathen can, understand that the the discussion around Char's children was like like inappropriate now Cassie says I don't recall asking to go to a Britney Spears concert by the time I was 14 I was over her which is another thing so she had mentioned that when the shit happened um like she'd been over Britney by the point she was 14 and Char is basically saying something like as a mom I had to do it and I'm like all right okay it was awkward but I did it I was like okay I don't know I Char you know I do a lot of things for my kids that are really for me you know what I mean you know what I'm trying to say and if she didn't ask to go and you didn't want to go and also you probably shouldn't have gone what do we say? You so you listen. You want to go, Char. You want to go. You want you want to like come come on come on come on come on. And Char's telling the Cassie Cassie like, oh, if you didn't want to go, you shouldn't have. You you could have declined. But Cassie's like, I was fourteen, like, and you said you got tickets to Britney Spears. And even though I wasn't like a huge huge fan, like, what am I gonna say? No, I don't want to go. Char. We do not get in, like, if you, if you're arguing with, with your child, if you're arguing with a child about these sorts of things, you've already lost. The fact is you had all the agency, you're the adult in the situation and if you, and you chose to go and do not put that on Cassie who didn't ask to go, who didn't pay for it, who didn't drive there, who simply said, oh, you got tickets and it went with you. Come on. This is, and also, sure, you didn't have to go. If Cassie really, really wanted to go and was like, listen, mom, you know, can we, can I just go? You absolutely could have sent some, a friend with her. You could have done that. It's possible. Just admit that you had your own reasons for wanting to go. And like, I mean, when we admit our, our shit, it's so much easier to handle it when it's out there in the air, when it's, when we're not hiding it. It's almost like, when no that's gross i'm not gonna say that never mind <laughs> so courtney sodden 
Says she's been emotionally supporting her mother since she was 10 years old. Her mother was unhappy in her marriage. She didn't like her husband. And Courtney was in charge of making her mom happy. Going places with her mom. Doing things with her mom. And almost like emotional incest. Like we're in a relationship here. Which is like understandable. Fucking understandable. And I want to switch back. Let me just double back here. When I say arguing with a child you've already lost... That as an, as a parent, you have more responsibility to your child than they will ever have to you. Now, add that to the fact that at the time, Cassie and even Courtney, when we're talking about this, were literal children, like minors. You, there, you absolutely have more responsibility to them. You're an adult and you have an agency that they don't have. And so when someone is like, it's not that you can't have feelings. You can obviously have feelings. It's not that you can't be upset. I believe that it's okay for parents to have like, have feelings. What you do with those feelings matters. And so where, where Krista was like in a bad relationship and, um, you know, a 10 year old knows the fuck's going on in this house. You know what I mean? And your kid notices and things. That's not like, oh, well, fuck you for having feelings. It's more about how did you handle those feelings and those situations with your young child? What did you say to them? How did you handle it? It's just, I I know adult children are very different from like actual minor children. But when I say adult children, I mean people in their 30s and 40s. I, I honestly don't even mean people in their 20s. And boundaries should change as people get older. But for the most part, you owe your child. They don't owe you. Nothing you are doing for them is a favor to them. You must care for them or you'll go to jail. Okay. <laughs> like Keeping yourself out of jail or DCFS court is not a favor to the child. It's what you agreed to do when you brought them into this world or when they were brought into this world using some of your genetic material. And so you can, you don't get to write a list and be like, well, I bought you diapers. You had to, I was going to shit on your floor and I was your responsibility. Like I, I don't owe you money for that. And then as adults, like, obviously we now have to have an adult relationship between, you know, the child and the parent because we're both adults now and we're, and we have, we have a different power dynamic. But even then I'm of the mind that parents, you know, that Hitch movie, I should go back and watch that dumb movie where uh, Will Smith is trying to teach Kevin James how to kiss someone, how is it? You go 90 and they go 10. I don't know. Somebody goes 90 and somebody goes 10. Right. And although I don't believe in those numbers, but I think that as when they're small children and they're still like minors and stuff, you do have to go 90 and they go 10. You do have to to do way more than they would have to do to keep your relationship. You have more responsibility in your relationship with your children. And as adults, maybe it changes a bit. Maybe it finally gets to the point where it's like 60-40. I think I'm in a 60-40 relationship with my parents right now that I have about 40% of the responsibility of our relationship. But they are still my parents. We still have relationship dynamics that are that are structured on the idea that they are an authority they are an authority and I'm not saying my parents have authority of my life I'm fucking 42 years old but 
the fact is we're not going to like give up like 20 years of the structure of a relationship just because I got older. Things have changed. Things have softened. I mean, I've always been able to call my mom out on stuff like making fun of her has always been fun, but she's my mom, you know? And so because the power dynamics are not the same, they, they still have more responsibility in certain things. Um, Krista comes back to Courtney being like, you made me your emotional partner and I was in charge of your relationship since I was a small child. Krista comes back with like, you know, I got a talk show for you. Um, the Courtney Stein talk show when you wanted to be a big star and you don't even acknowledge that was the beginning of your, your career. You used to, and I had to talk to talk show people and it was hard. And like, eventually Dr. Deb's like, okay, okay. This is not what we're talking about. We need to like, you know, not this. It felt like, like Krista was, um, giving, was doing more promotion for her manager work, to be honest. And, you know, the other ladies start laughing at her, especially Jessica. Listen, Jessica, Jessica's not the only one. They're all laughing. But Krista seems like she's on a different fucking planet. This is a look at the these freaks show. And the freaks are like, but get a little of those freaks over there. Um, Kim and Kimberly pretend like they don't, there's no regret in their relationship. Um, Dr. Deb calls them out on it. They doesn't do much, but they're just like, no, we don't have any regret. It really like, I assume I could be wrong, but I assume that one Kim and Kimberly keep things stuffed down already. That's just like their MO. Like, you know, when they're at Kyle's house, that she got by selling mom's house that Kim, that Kim obviously couldn't like keep up with financially. So they bought her out and now she's upset. And da, 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 da. I can see it from both sides. I understand why everybody's upset. Um, I got it. But like when you're, I bet Kim and Kimberly also do this where they're like, nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. What? We don't like, I bet they do that. Um, but I also think Kim, has been going through a vulnerable time and is also was like clear to Kimberly. We're not sharing here. Um, we're here for a check. Um, we find out about the fake funeral at this point. Um, Kimberly's face when they tell her that is so over the top and I think she's a bad actress, obviously, but I also don't, I think there is an element of surprise. I don't think she watched this. The, she don't, she doesn't watch these type of shows. To, this is like the first time she was like, wait, we're going to have a fake funeral. Meanwhile, I would have come in being like, you know, we're going to have a fake funeral, right? Episode three, four. So what is that? Day six. Sure. <laughs> um, it just, so they divide the women, right? I'm trying to say women. I'm trying to say ladies. I'm not trying to, I'm trying to avoid saying girls because I'm like, I have words mean things and I want to use them correctly as best as I can. Um, so they divide the ladies and some are going to go to a gravestone that has their loved one's name on it. And some are going to wait in a van and listen and kind of watch from the van to be, to watch their loved one grieve for them. And it's quite obvious that they've divided them up based on 
what would give you the most mess. <laughs> that's that's the only reason they divided up this way. And so when they tell Shar she'll be going, she'll be going. She has a nervous breakdown. Um, she cries. She hides her face. She's too upset to even pretend Cassie is dead. I, I was thinking about what I would do in this position. It's not that I would have a problem. I think about people dying all the time. I think about myself dying all the time. I, it's not that I would have a hard time picturing my parents dying or anything like that, but I would want to know what is the purpose of this exercise. Um, oh, it's to say things that you don't normally say. But I don't know that I'm going to say anything I don't normally say. And there's a level of acting I don't know that I can pull off. I have I don't have a poker face. You look at my fucking face and you know every fucking thing I'm thinking. I just don't have one. And I like I I'm not good at pretending like uh things aren't happening. It just, it doesn't serve me. Um you know, I definitely, I grew up with somebody who, I grew up with somebody who, um, my family yelled a ton, right? It was all yelling all the time, all like, the stability wasn't there in terms of like, how people were going to react. And so now as an adult, I don't like to be in places where people were screaming. People are, there's a lot of like, I don't like to be like in places with lots of people and you're not sure what's going to happen. I don't like that. I don't, I, I don't like to work in an environment where everybody's mad all the time because my heart starts beating really fast. My anxiety gets bad. Uh, Mr. Curtis, one of the, I don't know if you guys listen to princess diaries. Um, it's a patreon.com backslash, uh, by pumpkin. And the tier for princess diaries is just like once a, once a month I sit down and I just freeform it. I just, Tell stories about my life and what's going on and what I'm thinking. Um, so if you listen to Princess Diaries, I talked about how me and Mr. Curtis were having like some issues with like child rearing. Like the two of us have different ideas about things. He's definitely um, a person that says like this happened to me and I'm fine. And I'm definitely a person that's like, you're definitely not fine. Like, don't do that. Um... But one of the reasons, like we had, to, we have to get, we, we've, we've gotten so much better about things and I can, I can like actively see him trying. Um, because I can't think of a reason me, me and Mr. Curtis might break up. I can't think of one. Uh, maybe if he cheated on me because I'm, I'm just not a person that could take that and eat that. I, I would never get over it. You'd have to leave me. Cause I bring it up all the fucking time, every day, all the time. I bring it up while you were inside me because I just don't let shit go. And I know that's a fault of mine, but it's, but, it, but it's not going to change is who I am. Um, but the thing that might actually break us up is if I feel like my children are not being raised in the environment they deserve, right? In the best one I could give them. If I don't, if I feel like they're not, I just don't, I'm not going to do that. Um, they don't have the agency to be able to leave here, you know, but I do. 
And I, I don't like kids see everything and I just don't want them to live in a world where um, they're unsure what's going on. It's, it's, I'm not giving them the best that I possibly can. And the reason is because my partner won't. And so like we've had that conversation and, you know, I feel like, I feel like the conversation is not over, obviously. The, the nothing changes with one conversation. But he is doing his very best to, like, adjust some things. And one of the things I, he absolutely has to adjust is because he works as a foreman and he's yelling at people all day, right? These kids don't work for you. I actually shouldn't yell at people who work for you either. But those are grown men in work boots that scream at each other, okay? Sometimes they they settle it by fighting on the job, okay? That's 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 what he works in all day. And I that's not that's not here. So when you're calling someone for dinner, why does it sound like you're mad at them? Like you gotta adjust like your tone. You have to understand tone means a lot, volume means a lot. And so but the, one of the main reasons I had to like have this conversation is because I need peace in my home. I, I cannot, my home has to be the, the most peace, peaceful place possible because if they're screaming here or yelling or um, uncertainty or even just like a hint of being scared, I can't do that. That'll, that'll knock me all the fucking way off. Um, and I won't be any good to you because my trigger responses are like wild. And so even though like, so this is, so this is, everyone knows this about me. Like I can't, I can't marinate in a bunch of negativity and people screaming and people, I can't do that. I can only be hysterical for so long. And we don't actually want me to be hysterical because it's a really bad place. That said, even though I'm like, no, we need to talk to each other with a calm tone and this is, because I've never lived in a world where you where you could take a long time to get to the fucking point. I'm like, no, 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 no. Somebody start yelling. Somebody start <laughs> hand clapping. Somebody, <laughs> somebody get to the point. Somebody snap their fingers or something. Because at the same time, I just I just didn't grow up in a place where people with soft voices prospered. Okay? You you over here whispering and shit. You got to be loud. You got to say it right now. You got to yell it out. You got an idea, yell it out right now because no one's going to listen to you. Oh, there's food? Run. Get it. <laughs> it's going to be gone. <laughs> like, this is this is what I know. And so this, I just don't deal well with people who, one, don't say what it is. Say one thing, mean another. Or who are just, who are just like, well, we just want to say nice things and we just want to do I, I I don't I don't do well in that environment either. I, I apparently I don't do well in any environment, but I can't deal with someone that wants to sweep shit under the rug. Me, there's an elephant in the room. The first fucking thing I say when I walk in the room is like, y'all see that fucking elephant? You see that elephant? There's an elephant in here. Y'all want to talk about this elephant? Whose elephant is this? That's me. That's absolutely my personality. And so Kim and Kimberly would get on my motherfucking nerves. They would get on my motherfucking nerves. Just say it. Say whatever it is. Better out than in. And I mean, say it and we'll clean it up later. We'll figure, we'll, we'll add context to it. But just say what the fuck it is. There's a guy at my job who like, um, I don't know him and another coworker. I'll, I'll get in a lot. And he was like, I could say something 
but I'm not going to. And I just said, say it, whatever it is, say it. He's like, I'm not that person. I was like, say it. Just like, throw it out there. What's the worst? You think it's going to hurt somebody? Just say it. I don't know. Maybe my approach is wrong too, but I will talk about anything with almost anybody and I, it's hard to embarrass me. It's not hard to make me cringe because I'm all, cause again, I have all that anxiety. I'm always like staying up late at night. Remember that one time I didn't answer fast enough and the person thought I wasn't going to answer and it was an awkward moment. I sure I do all that. But in terms of true, true embarrassment, it's really hard to get me because it was either necessary or it's funny. And if it's funny, I'll forgive almost anything. If you can just give me a little time to process it, I'll tell you about my big L's. I'll be like, listen, let me tell you what my dumb ass did. Funny trumps everything. I don't know. I would find the way, like, you know, I'm, I wouldn't necessarily say that Kim and Kimberly, or even really I was talking about Shar. Shar, like being afraid to, even talk about her daughter dying. There's nothing we can't say. There's nothing we can't talk about. There's nothing that's unspeakable. I'll survive even the most awkward, even the most horrible conversations. And it's because I value speaking so much. I mean, who would have thought I have a fucking podcast. I value speaking. I value talking. But the truth is my career, if I had to establish, if I had to like, Establish a through line. I'm a, I'm a professional communicator. I am a storyteller. I am someone that conveys information in bite-sized pieces. I am someone that uh, works in the transfer of knowledge and information. And so, yeah, like, uh, let's talk about anything. I think for Char, not that I'm not, not that I've uh, not that I've inserted myself into it. <laughs> I think for Char. The issue is that she, she's already having such a hard time letting Cassie go. Cassie's a fucking adult. Maybe not a full grown adult because she's in her early 20s. I think she's 21, but she's an adult and you don't even want her to go the Thanksgiving with her to meet her boyfriend's family because, oh, that's grandma's holiday and grandma's sick. Are we not allowed I'm not allowed to ever eat a turkey somewhere else until grandma dies. I don't know how fair that is. And I also don't know, I'm sorry, uh, Char's an unreliable narrator in this and that and that Cassie, um, I don't know that grandma was so upset with this. I, I, It's possible, I can see it happening, that Char was using grandma to kind of leverage and keep Cassie there because she's afraid of losing Cassie. She's afraid of Cassie joining another family, having someone more important than Char in her life. Because, you know, you're supposed to leave and cleave, okay? You're supposed to leave your family of origin and cleave to your new partner. Not that everybody has to do But you understand what I'm trying to say. Like, when you're when you're an adult and you're in an adult relationship, serious adult relationships, including, like, marriages and long-term, like, you, that, that person becomes your immediate family. That person becomes the person you got to speak to every day. That person, your person, becomes the person when you say we, that's who we're talking about. Um, and I think this is all a sign of like Char being afraid of that. Um, 
and remember, 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 remember that the whole purpose of children is to guide them, love them, and push them out. And I'm not saying like putting people out as soon as they turn 18, but they are not like, they're not supposed to stay with you forever in the ideal circumstances. They're supposed to move on, handle their own things, branch out. This is super important. And if you want, if you want something that's going to stay with you ever, get a fucking puppy. If you want something that's going to stay with you forever, get a tattoo. Do not, it's not a kid. That's not what that does. I also want to talk about Karen because we're about to do this incredibly, to me, it would have been a silly exercise, a silly exercise. Um, about a loved one dying and what we're going to say and we're going to film it and they're going to watch it. So you know they're going to watch it, right? So, well, maybe they don't know they're going to watch it. Because I, because when they said they were going to be reunited, I mean, I think they, I think they maybe told the people that were going to watch it, not necessarily the people that were going to go do the thing. I'm not sure. I can't remember. But, dude, Karen's mom really did die a week ago. A week ago. There's no headstone yet. Maybe they had a funeral. Um, I think there's a couple. I think people, I've never planned a funeral. So I've only been to a couple too. So please forgive me. But my understanding is that there are several religions, many religions that require that you bury somebody right away. Um, My boss was telling me that because of how far his mother is away and because, um, he's Muslim that like, even if he was at the airport when his mother died, he would never see her go on the ground. Cause it takes 32 hours to get there and she should be already in the ground. Um, I think Jewish people bury their dead right away. Um, it, it's, it's, it, many people do that. So it's possible that grandma died a week ago and the funeral was like in the fume as Kid Fury would say, uh, was like the next day. Sure. 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 But it takes a while to get the headstone. Those things, those those things are big and they are expensive, and it takes craftsmanship to make them. So when they go to do this, Karen hasn't even done this for her mother yet. It's been a week. Her mother's in the ground, right? You guys ever heard of someone having their funeral like three weeks out? Is that a thing? Maybe I just don't have the experience for it. So I'm assuming. That, you know, Karen's had the funeral and this, I'm assuming this is tough for her, but she doesn't, I, I think they talk about it, but she, it's not the same as Char having her nervous breakdown. Then uh, let me, I don't want to say that I think Char's being overly dramatic. I don't want to say that because losing a child is like incredibly tough because you're not supposed to outlive your children. You know what I mean? It's not the natural progression of progression of thing. Obviously, when your mother dies, like you assumed you would outlive your mother. Maybe you didn't want it to happen today or this week or this year or whatever. But when you lose a child, it feels like the natural order is off. It feels incredibly fucking unfair. Not that I would know. I'm just from people talking about it. And so I understand that I would be devastated if something happened to one of my kids. Devastated. I would, I would say I don't know how I'd go on, but I know I would go on because I always go on. That I, this, I just know I would. I just 
don't know how I ever be the same again. That said, this is fake, real fake, real bad. Is it's fake? And so, Char, calm down. Um, Kim is out. <laughs> Kim is Shrek. Kim don't want to go either. So Karen is a little hesitant. Ha- has the very good reason. Like th- they're playing on actual fucking drama. Char upset. Understandably why. But also like, okay, Char. All right. Okay. We understand. Kim is like, oh, we got to go. She's on the phone. This is her second attempt to go home, by the way. The first attempt was the first day when she heard people using Ray's voices in the hallway. And she was telling Kimberly not to even unpack because they're going to leave. She's on the phone, I would assume, with an agent or a manager of some sort. And trying to, to get home. She says she doesn't want Kimberly to experience a graveyard. Dr. Dead comes in to talk. Be like, what's going on? Um, she says, spirits attached to you on a spiritual ground. Does this mean Kim? Didn't we see Kim in a graveyard on Beverly Hills one time? Didn't she meet? Or was it just a park? And it was shading each other. So I felt like it was a graveyard. I don't know. She says, spirits attached to you on spiritual on a spiritual ground. Her mother's gone. I don't think Monty's gone at this point. Do you not visit your mother in the hospital, in the in the grave? Of course. Uh, I think it's much better to be cremated. I just think so. Um, it's cheaper. Not that much cheaper, I've heard these days. But it's cheaper. Also, I, I, you ain't got to be buying me specialized boxes and shit. Put me in, cremate me. And put me in potpourri sachets and put me all around the house. Put me right next to my husband's Xbox so he'll look at me a lot. That's what I'm trying to do. Seriously, though, I, my, I've, i like, written out what I want for my, like, just so my husband has it. And I was like, we don't need a funeral. Uh, we can have a small memorial that lasts about an hour. If it's more than an hour, you got to feed those motherfuckers. And do not waste any of my life insurance money on cheese and fucking crackers. Don't do it. Just have some people get up. Don't let nobody get up there and tell no fucking lies about me. Oh, she lit up a room. No, the fuck I didn't. No, the fuck I didn't. Oh, she was she was so nice. She said nice things about it. No, I didn't. I talked a lot of shit. A lot of shit. Sometimes I was mean. The Lord wasn't done with me yet. I mean, he done with me now. I'm dead. But it's like... Don't let them tell no fucking lies up there. Anybody gets up there and lie, I want you to come out like it's Showtime at the Apollo. One of those fucking, <laughs> one of those big uh, things that you can pull, umbrella things that you can pull people off the stage. Pull them right off the fucking uh, thing. Be like, no, 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 no lies. She did the, her fucking best. <laughs> she tried. She tried really fucking hard and she went down swinging. That's what you tell them. Whatever got me, I went down fucking swinging. That's what you tell them. I, like, <laughs> and then I, I'm, I like, so I, my life insurance is set up. I, I have my stuff, like my plan set up so that like my husband can be taken care of my kid. I, I don't want him to have problems. I want him to be like, okay, financially. And he's not going to live forever off of it, but like being able to like get to what he needs to do and where he needs to be. Awesome. 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 <sighs> but I don't want him to waste a, a, a penny of that fucking money. On pomp and circumstances so you could throw me in the fucking dirt. No. I'm gone. I'm dead. I mean, I am haunting y'all because 
You know, I don't never let no shit go. So I am haunting you. I am like looking down at you from like a ceiling somewhere being like, this bitch lying. We was not close. No, those were not my last words. My last words were, oh shit. Those were my last words. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> and I will be uh, checking to make sure y'all taking care of my fucking kids. But... <laughs> But like Kim, I'm off topic. Kim is using every book, every trick in the book to be like, we can't go to this. We can't do this. We can't do this. Um, she says that she doesn't want Kimberly to experience a graveyard. She says spirits attached to you on spiritual ground. She says Kimberly is an old soul. So that attracts ghosts. <laughs> she says she once picks a rose from a graveyard in the middle of the night and now she owes the devil a soul. And if she goes back to the, she didn't say that, but She's just got a lot. I'm like, damn, Kim. Um, you know, she breaks down crying with Dr. Deb. And Kimberly comes in and is, and is like, what's going on? And she tells her, she's like, I don't think we Because she has not told Kimberly she's trying to leave. And Kimberly's like, no, it's fine. I don't have a problem. It's fine. I'm like, mm, mm. So who goes, so that we start doing it. First of all, I want to know what those fucking gravestones are made of. They act, they each have each other's like the correct names on it. It's made of like styrofoam, spray painted, spray painted styrofoam. And like from, we're not right close up on it. So maybe it looks real, right? I don't know. So Karen and Natalie go first. Karen, you know, Karen's mom doesn't have a gravestone yet. Natalie, but Karen's in the van watching Natalie apologize about being a brat and being mean and saying she misses Karen you know, Karen ends up crying in the car, in the van, and Natalie's crying at the grave, and they reunite and apologize to each other. Kim and Kimberly are next. Kimberly doesn't want her mother to do anything that would bring her to the graveyard. And she, when she's doing the talking, because Kimberly's the one looking at the grave, she's like, she's like, you know, I worry about you a lot as a kid, and I just, I you know, I just don't want, basically she's just expressing how she was always worried it would come to this. And Dr. Deb says something about them rebuilding from this moment when they reunite and they, they talk to each other and about how they don't want to be worried. But here's the thing in the car right back, it feels like a hot mic situation, right? Because we don't see them. There's no camera. It feels like they still have their, their mics on. And Kim was very gracious at the graveyard, but in the car, she's like, and she even says this in a talking head too, which happens way after is that basically she didn't like how Kimberly was acting as if her current troubles were, were Kimberly's whole life. Cause when she was younger, she didn't have to worry about her and stuff. And, and she, she doesn't like the way that was said. And she tells Kimberly that and Kimberly's like, what? I was worried about you when I was a kid. And she's like, she and and Kim's like, okay, you wasn't worried your whole life. And I'm like, I get you're trying to split hairs here, Kim, because you because you feel guilty, right? So you so you don't so you don't want to take take it for any time that you met you might not have been like having trouble and stuff. But still, dude, like this is you trying to mitigate Kimberly's feelings because her feelings make you feel guilty, you know? So, um, they're, they're kind of arguing and Kim's like, I just want to be able to hold my head up high as I walk down the street sometime. That's not Kimberly's fault, Kim. None of this is Kimberly's fault. Um, she can take personal responsibility for her own actions, 
when she knew better, when she was an adult or when she was old enough to know better about certain codependent things or places she, she shouldn't have been or done. But the fact is, the fact is, um, Kimberly was not in charge of making this dynamic with Kim and it's not about fault. It's about what happened and how that affects their relationship. We should be able to talk about things without assigning a fault to it. But again, if this happened when Kimberly was five years old, it's your fault, Kim. You, you, even if we take fault out of it, if you say responsibility, it's on you. Kimberly doesn't have a responsibility to you. Not, not at that age. Um, Kimberly is like trying to play now. She's like, all kids worry about their mother. I wasn't saying anything specific, which makes me think that, again, they've had that conversation where, where Kim was like, do not talk about my shit. Don't say shit about my shit. And so Kimberly's like, I, everyone was, is going to say that. Um, you know, they find all the way home. Kim, when they get back to the house, there are, there are cameras in their room. And... Kim now realizes she's back on camera. So even though she was like distressed in the car, now she's like, it's okay, Kimberly. We don't need to talk about it. And Kimberly's like hyped at this point. She's like, you're trying to make me feel bad. All we do is not talk, not talk, not talk. Hide, 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 hide. I don't want to hide. And that's why Kim's like, Kim's like, we need to get her own therapist. We need to get our own therapist. And Kimberly's like, she, I guess she like rushed through her final exam. Like she took them early so she could be here for this. And she's like, and now I'm here. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. Cause Kimberly's one. we should leave. We should leave. She also says something that I thought was very interesting. She says, I worried about you as a young child and you know why. And that is interesting. I mean, the fact is Kim Richards has been medicating through drugs and alcohol for a long time. Yes, maybe prescription drugs, maybe mixing prescription drugs, but still, yet and still. And the fact is that, like, we're not going to pretend like her trouble started the moment she got on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. It's not true. What happens is that you've always had these issues. For my understanding, very good reason. She's been through hell and fucking back as a child actor, as a daughter to Big Kathy and a sister to Kyle and... And little Kathy. She'd been through it. And yeah, Kyle's a really bad sister. And the reason Kyle's a bad sister is because she does not defend her sister. Like, so with friends, with my husband, with my family members, if you are, if we're in front of you, I'm not going to, listen, I don't, I'm not going to co-sign some shit that ain't real, that, that I don't agree with, but I'm never going to like call you out in front of like strangers or people that are against you. I'll, we'll go home and talk. When we get home, I'll be like, yo, you was acting a fucking fool. Don't do that again. Yo, she was right when she said blah, 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 but I'll never say that in front of them because I want to have your back. I'm on your team and I got you. So now is not the time to be splitting hairs. And Kyle doesn't understand that. Kyle is very passive aggressive. Kyle is manipulative. The shit she's doing with Kathy right now is similar to what she would do with Kim. And I'm not saying she's not 
genuinely annoyed with Kathy. Or remember when Kim forgot her passport and they were trying to, where are the fuck, where are they going to Puerto Rico? I don't remember, they're going somewhere. And Kyle's like in a tizzy about it and talking about it. But like, it's not I don't believe that going places with Kim and you know Kim's not sober and things are going on that you wouldn't be saying these things. I believe that actually. But I refrain from saying them on TV. I let, like I'm not, I can't prevent people from realizing that she's not sober. But I can not be the one doing a talking head saying she's not sober, right? I can do that. I can do a talking head in which they're like, are you worried about your sister? I'm always worried about my sister. My sister's been through a lot and I'm always worried about her. I can I can talk like that without kind of putting her on the chopping block. There are people that say, say that Kyle got Kim on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills as a pay, like to be like, yeah, see? And I don't necessarily know that that's true. Not consciously. I do think that Kyle got her on there because Kim needed money. And Kyle and Maurizio, Mauricio, regardless of what we think of them over the years, have done things financially for Kim. It's true. Um, You stole my goddamn house. The way it's explained, I've heard Kyle explain it and Kim explain it. It sounds like they got left a house. They kept, they, they all three at the house. And what ends up happening is Kyle buy, buys out Kathy and Kim. You cash the check, Kim. Are you saying they did something nefarious, like make you think it wasn't worth a certain amount of money? Or are you, like they lied to you? They tricked you? Or are you saying at the time you needed the money, they gave it to you to buy you out of the, so you could get bought out of the house. And then when you had the money to buy it back, they wouldn't sell it back to you? Because I can understand how that hurts you, but that is not the same as what you're saying. You stole my goddamn house is not the same thing. I like, I like people like to run with that, but it's really not fucking true. And people like to be like, oh, you knew she had an alcohol problem and you, and you brought her on the show, but she needed the fucking money. I don't blame Kyle for that either. I don't even blame Kyle for them fighting in that limo, which apparently again, not all diamonds and rosé is really good book to read. And I guess the audiobooks came out. Um, I'm going to talk about that in a second, but let me finish this thought. Um, if you read that book, the producers talk about how they were not allowed to film where they were filming anymore. And this fight started. And so they suggested, they put Kyle in the car with Kim and drove around the venue over and over again so they could have this fight. And people want that to be Kyle's fault. And I'm saying, I'm not saying it is. It isn't, excuse me, but it's also Kim's fault too. Kim wanted to be on the show. Kim needed the money. Kim was drinking that day. Kim was, Kim and Kai were in a real fucking fight, a fight that would have happened whether Cameron was there or not. And me, as the sober person, as a person that still has her uh, her faculties, as the person who might be a little more savvy about what's going on since I've, you know, practically executive producing that first season, I would have said, cut the cameras, dead ass. I would have told him to turn that shit off. That's what I would have done. But the fact that Kyle didn't doesn't mean that she plotted to do this on TV. Now, I've been defending Kyle here for a few minutes. I, I want to be clear. She, I think she's like a piece of shit. I think she is so, such a bad person. But mostly, the reason I think she's a bad person is because she throws the rock and hides the hand. She pretends like she means one thing and does another thing. 
She's the first one to be like, I didn't know what happened. Like, that's not true. And she's manipulative. And I think she's a bad sister because she has no problem manipulating people against her sisters in a public form, a period, but in a public form. And I think that's wrong. And I think that like, if I came on a show with my sister, I don't have any sisters, probably thank God, but I don't have any sisters. And if I came on a show with, with someone I was close to like that, and when we got there, they started acting funny and they started making me the butt of all their jokes and they kept trying to point out things that I'd done wrong or said wrong or whatever, I would be like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you acting brand new on the fucking show? And I think that's what Kyle does. I think she's a fucking liar. You're such a fucking liar, Camille. No, Kyle's a fucking liar. Has been, will always be. Why am I talking about that? <laughs> um. So... Kim is really trying to play Kate Kimberly and get her to leave, but she won't. Um, Jessica and Josie do it. I mean, they've been doing this all day. It looks like they bring them out one at a time, like they drive them there one at a time because um, it's getting darker and darker. Josie cries. Jessica thinks Josie looks hot. <laughs> Jessica. She wishes, Josie says she wishes she respected her mother and loved Jessica more. Um, Jessica says life is short and now... And she can't think of like being separated from Josie that they're all each other have. Like her father's out of state. Um, they don't have family like that and that they really only have each other. And so she usually bothers Josie every three hours. Um, and now she's going to be every three, 30 minutes. She's going to be calling her. Um, Char and Cassie go, babe, Char can't even make it to the fucking grave site. Um, to the grave stone she they have to hold her up like she's fucking james brown and again i understand i just think this is a little much um she's crying so hard i thought she's gonna pass out she's breathing she's you know like when a kid's really upset and then then he did this and then he said i was a dummy and then when they're like trying to tell you something like like that that's what char's doing like, she is worked the fuck up. I believe that she's worked up. I just don't believe she has to be this worked up. I believe she worked herself up. Um, she doesn't want to lose time with, with Cassie. She knows she's selfish with Cassie's time. But she doesn't want to lose a second of her. Um, Char is one of those people that um, has difficulty, not difficulty, has had trauma in her love life, right? And, um, instead focuses all her emotional energy on her children, you know, and that's okay. All right then. And so the problem with that is that these people are not your partner and they are supposed to grow up and leave you. And so she's having a traumatic time with it. Um, Kristen and Courtney Stodden, I thought they went last, but they went second to last. Crystal looks like, let me tell you what. Krista is the one going to the grave. She looks like she took some acting classes at the YMCA. Not the YMCA, not the good one. The other one in your, <laughs> she took one over at that one. That's what she looks like. She Horrible. I'm like, Krista, nobody believes you. It doesn't seem authentic at all. Heidi and Darlene go last and Darlene cries and in the van and Heidi seems like she went to that YMCA class with Krista. And it's not that I blame them. Again, this would be, 
it's not hard for me to think about people dying and to talk about my feelings about that. But it would be very hard for me to pretend like this. Because I'd be like, that is styrofoam. They're over there in that van. The call time for the second part of this episode is at 8 p.m. Like, this isn't real. I would have a hard time. But this is also why you wouldn't have to take me to someplace like that. Because I don't have to look at there and pretend. I could easily talk to you about how I feel about you and what I wish and all those things. And although that is a skill of mine, it is also a curse. Because sometimes I will talk people to fucking death about things. When I really could just like get to the point very quickly. Sometimes being in the moment is better than talking about the moment. You know what I mean? I'm working on it. I got, you know, the Lord ain't done with me yet. So later that night, everyone is like relieved. You know, they're relieved that they did this. They're relieved that it's over with. Kim still wants to leave. And she and, and Kimberly are fighting. Kimberly's like, no, I'm not leaving. I think Kim realizes that like, I don't know. I think she thought it was going to be a talk show, you know? It felt like she thought it was going to be like a talk show and she'd be able to control more of the narrative and the, t- she, I'm sure she didn't know who else was going to be there. She didn't know she was going to be on there with someone from the bad girls club and somebody who wants to fuck their, their son-in-law. Like, no. Um, even though like Kim, you're not better than they are, but I can see why you think you are. You think every, all these other people are low rent. Even though there were times you couldn't pay your rent. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. Um, so, at the end of the episode, Jessica, Josie, Jessica's very tired. She's talking about going to bed. Jessica and Josie are in their room. Kimberly's in there as well. And so is Cassie. And they're all just chit-chatting. Because there's nothing to fucking do except for drinking chit-chat. And not everybody's drinking. Kim ends up coming in there too. But before she does, we see outside the door on the floor are Natalie, um, Krista, uh, uh, Courtney Stodden, and Karen. And Char. And they're all on the floor. And, you know, Courtney is... Hmm... Courtney is lying down, like almost kind of straddling Natalie. You know, remember when they said that when they were talking, well, not they, remember when Krista was talking about being, uh, how little they were, how little Courtney is. And I'm looking at them right in this moment. I'm like, yeah, they fucking are. Um, they're tiny. Uh, those big boobs, like really, really fool your ass. Um, But they're out there making a lot of noise. The whole group. Natalie's singing. And I feel like in an annoying voice. But I feel like she's trying to to like do it in the style of Marilyn Monroe. And I think that has something to do with something Courtney may have done or said. Because Courtney. So I keep saying this. Courtney gives me Anna Nicole vibes. Married an old man. They uh, got got, got mom and dad issues. Um sexualized from a young age all that shit and you know the way the way the way y'all the way y'all uh just dragged Marilyn Monroe into everything and and really made that woman 
your own deity. You know what I mean? But Anne Nicole would do a lot of Marilyn Monroe theme, Marilyn Monroe themed stuff for Hef at the Playboy Mansion. Which, by the way, if you don't, if you if you don't know this, there are books out there about it, there are documentaries, there are lots of, like going through like the history of Playboy and Hugh Hefner. Hugh Hefner was obsessed with Marilyn Monroe, got her nudes, and released them without her permission. It he basically released her nudes. And that's how all that stuff happened. He, you know, when I was doing Girls Next Door, and I think I, I don't know if I did that on the main or if I did that on the Patreon, but I remember saying they were going to see, um, they were going to see uh, a movie half made when he was young. And it was like a silent movie. And I remember saying, Holly, Babe, your boyfriend was in a silent movie. He calls he calls every movie made after he turned twenty the talkies. Let's 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 think about that. Hef is what well he's dead now. Rest in hell. Um, Hef was so old that the stories of things he did go as far as back as releasing Marilyn Monroe's nudes against her will. Jeez. Anyway, um, Anna Nicole did a lot of um, did a lot of Maryland stuff, and I think Courtney Stodden does as well. And so I think they were either referencing Marilyn, singing that happy birthday to her lover, the president, or or um, Something like that. And that's why Natalie's over there in that annoying voice going, happy birthday. That's what she's doing. There's a lot of noise. And both Kim ends up going in the room with Josie and them and walking past Natalie and all them. And Jessica had already said, you guys are loud. I want to go to sleep. And Natalie was like, shut the fuck up. Who cares? You know. And so when Kim goes in there, um... Jessica's like, oh, I want to go to sleep. I mean, you can't go to sleep. Cassie's lying on your bed. Kimberly's lying on your bed with you. You can't go to sleep right now. But Kim says something like, just tell him to be quiet. Then she starts talking. Now, we'll see more of this next week. But my impression is she's talking about her sister, Kathy, about something with Kathy. And the ladies outside, particularly Karen, I think, Say, didn't they say your name in there, Natalie? Or something like that. And Natalie, listen, Natalie goes to the bad girls club, okay? She do that. All right? She may be up in here doing mother-daughter fake therapy, but she's a bad girl. And so she gets up and like, doesn't open the door, which is what a lot of people would do. They would open the door and be like, hey, I hear you in here fucking talking. Like even that would would have been aggressive. Not that I think that being aggressive is the wrong thing to do. I understand that. Like, I feel like it's more important to, like, in the moment, confront things in the moment and turn and say, hey, you know, I hear you guys in here talking about me. I hear my name in here. And I want to make it clear that if, if you don't have the balls to come and talk to me about something. I, I really prefer you not talk about me. This is something I might say to someone. But even then opening the door 
like kind of like wild is aggressive. You know, that's a physical thing. Um, but Natalie didn't even do that. She kicked the door in and was like, hey, what we not going to do, what we not going to do, what we not going to do. <laughs> and Natalie always turns in. Natalie gets a black scent every time. Um, Natalie is black, so maybe it's not a black scent. But Natalie really hoods up her uh, her talk when she's ready to get down. So all we see is that and the shit goes down next week. That's it. Um, yeah, guys, uh, I just want to remind you there's a Patreon attached to this podcast. It's at patreon.com backslash by pumpkin. There are bonus episodes over there this week. I did an intervention episode, um, where six people went to rehab. Um, I recently, I can't even remember the other stuff I did. I did a hoarders episode that had a murder mystery attached to it. Yeah, there's good stuff over there. Um, it's five bucks a month if you just want the general bonus episode every week. It's 10 bucks a month if you want bonus episodes every week and one Princess Diaries episode every every month. Um, and I think it's a good way to spend your fucking money. You know what I'm saying? But whether you support me there or you support me here, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being the reason I do a podcast. And thanks for letting me talk for an hour about literally nothing. Later. Later.